0: everyone, welcome to a new episode of the Sunrise on the Inside podcast, a space where we share inspiring interviews and stories from thoughtful leaders in business, health and wellness, entrepreneurship and sports. Here we talk about tools, habits, routines and tactics they use that help them feel calm, revived and rebalanced whenever they face challenges in life. I'm your host, Nico Estrella, a serial entrepreneur, former professional soccer player and co-founder of Waku. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the episode number seven of the Sunrise on the Inside podcast. I have a very special guest today. It's Michelle Sellner. Um, She's an author, health and happiness strategist and corporate corporate wellness trainer. Um, She's an expert on mindset and an expert in uh, wellness and health. I am super excited for the conversation that we're going to have today. Uh, Michelle, welcome to the show.
1: Well, thank you, Nico. It's really fun to be here. And I just have to say up front, I love talking to somebody with an accent. So this is going to be a true joy for me.
0: <laughs> uh, awesome. I, I just hope my, my accent doesn't get in the way of the, of the questions at all. I, Not I, um... at all.
1: I grew up with accents. My mom is from the Netherlands, so I'm used to it.
0: Oh, nice. That's, that's perfect then. Um, so I wanted to start our conversation um, trying to get to know you a little bit better so I I did the research and I and I read a little bit more about you and I know that uh, at the beginning of your career because you've been a, a, a wellness coach and, a, and a, a kind of just like a, a coach in general for, for more than 20 years right and I know that you started more as a as a personal trainer just like more for exercise right so I was very curious to learn more a a little bit about the the story on how was that evolution from you you were a professional gymnast before right so um, if you can tell us a little bit more about that story from becoming a gymnast to personal trainer and then to becoming a coach
1: yeah, well, it was a very uh, unplanned, organic evolution, I would say. Uh, I did gymnastics my whole childhood. And so, you know, exercise and um, just sports and being competitive has always kind of been part of my life. But at one point, finally decided I was time to hang up the grips and just be a normal person. And I really still was very passionate about fitness and exercise. And so uh, eventually decided to become a personal trainer. Now, this is way 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 back in the early to mid 90s before personal training was really a thing so it was still a little bit um it was a little out of the mainstream let's say but i loved it it was everything i loved it was helping people change their bodies helping people really change their minds because what i found was it was so much more human connection talking to people about their challenges of the day or challenges that they were having with a child or a significant other or whatever. And it was a lot of problem solving and and sort of therapy-ish. And as wellness evolved and as I evolved as my own human on my own journey, I really got more into that part of the whole aspect of personal wellness. And so I do very little personal training anymore. It's still a tiny fraction of what I do. But I would say probably since about 2010, Mm
0: -hmm. really
1: dove deep into corporate wellness trainings, teaching lunch and learn, stress management, mindset, goal setting, how to stay healthy when you're traveling on the road, how to eat healthy on the go, you know, all those kind of things that people can struggle with when we're living very busy lives. And that also evolved into uh, just a whole catalog of different types of trainings on all different topics that cover physical, mental, and emotional well-being, all the things that I think are important to be a healthy human being, or what I like to call a better being, which is the name of my business. And... So here we are, 2021, almost 2022, and um, mostly doing that kind of stuff do conference speaking, event speaking, workshops, virtually, in person. And I also do uh, individual and private events as well. So whether it's somebody who wants some one on one coaching or to join in on one of my on site or virtual workshops or the 10 week program that I run, the U Revolution. There's literally an opportunity for just about anybody to participate in the things that I have to offer.
0: Oh, that's that's amazing! It's very interesting to to hear that that process. And I have a couple of follow-up questions. So first, um, whenever you were doing this transition from being the the personal trainer, and I guess at the beginning for you, it felt Kind of like more Did it feel like like natural for you to be able to give more advice uh regarding other topics besides uh, just the exercise because like i I've had a couple of uh not personal trainers per se but I've been to a couple of gyms where I had a a trainer that teaches me how to do exercise and whatnot um but i but I do think that you i didn't need to have like uh, I, I'm not sure if, if it's like a talent or like um, like like a like a calling, or you have to be just like good at listening to people and just like good at giving advice. Did did that feel feel natural for you, or or was something that you started to learn as you were uh, getting to know more your customers and getting to know like like trying to help them more? How how was that transition for you?
1: Yeah, it actually felt very natural. I think it depends on what your client is looking for. So if there's a client who's, you know, getting ready to compete in a physique competition, they don't need the psychology, the chit-chat while you're while you're working out. But a lot of people, it really is about personal relationship and and I in my own practice, personal training was 90% communication and people skills and 10% here's a, pro- a program, here's a workout, here's what we do to you know, address the physical uh, goals that we're trying to reach. But absolutely, it's it's people skills, it's communication skills, it's being able to connect and relate and build trust. And I think all of that comes from learning a little bit on a deeper level about the people that you're working with on a regular basis. And I'm really happy to say that even though I don't do a lot of personal training anymore, a lot of the clients that I have had throughout the years, I would still say we are... Friends, we stay connected. We stay involved, and um, you know, checking in on each other's lives. Certainly not everybody, because that would be too many. But you really do develop. uh, At least I did. I developed some pretty pretty solid connections through that. And you know, I think it is part of your innate characteristics. You know, what you feel comfortable with. And and I know uh, certainly. I mean, I I was twenty four years old when I started as a personal trainer, which I'm almost forty nine now. So that really does feel like a whole other other lifetime ago. But a lot of the clients actually went through some really difficult times with me, of my own life with me. So in some ways, they became part of my family and part of my support system as well.
0: Oh, that's great, and uh, yeah, I can I can definitely see that because, like, for me, I know a lot of the times. Uh, so I, I used to play professionally soccer when I was younger, like whenever I was 17, 18 years old. Um, and of course, whenever I was I was playing professionally, I was super into training and very disciplined and, and all that, right? But after I stopped playing professionally, um, exercising was still an important part of my life. But now that you mention it, I know that... Um, I've been on and off from doing exercises, and most of the times when I struggle the most and just like keep going to the gym or uh, keep uh, running or keep doing an exercise, it's a lot of mental, right? Because like a lot of times I just I I know like the basics on how to do an exercise. Maybe I don't need somebody to just like teach me every day how to do the same thing, but having that help, having that extra extra guidance and on how to just like break the mental barriers uh, i think it's super helpful Um, and and i have a couple of questions about that uh, that that we can keep talking today but uh, that's a that's a very uh, interesting evolution of the of the profession have you seen that this is common uh, for for uh, kind of like personal trainers to become more like uh, holistic coaches
1: I think that is becoming more mainstream. I know when I took my certification for personal training way, way back, it was very clear. You do not step outside your lines. You know about the physical being and that is it. You don't talk about nutrition. You don't talk about anything. You should not establish a personal relationship with these people. That was actually the general guideline that we were supposed to be following. I didn't feel like for me that was natural. So I tend to do what feels right. And if a client didn't gel with me, that's okay. I mean, we're not each for everybody. But I think uh, you know wellness has definitely evolved. I mean, back when I was a trainer, this didn't exist—the idea of a health coach. That wasn't it wasn't a thing, and and yet I've been health coaching since before it was a thing. Only because I think I'm incredibly interested, and I know that there's always a deeper reason why somebody isn't is or isn't doing something. And I, I don't know if that's just my own human curiosity. I've kind of always been like that. I've always contemplated and wondered about things, pe- people. Uh, my mom would say I inherited that, that from her father, except she's adopted. So so I didn't because um, it's not her, her biological dad. <laughs> um, but still, there's just something I think in each of us. And some of us are very m- much more in tune and want to get to know on a personal level and to look at things in the big picture. And some people are very... Um, very focused and, you know, very specialized in what they do. I don't think there's a right or a wrong. I think there's definitely space for all of it. And it's just about, you know, finding your niche and finding uh, what aligns with, with you and the clientele that's going to appreciate the skills and the talents that you have.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And I know that before we started uh, our conversation today, we were talking a little bit and I know that um, you had, kind of like a revelation at a young age that you weren't quite the person you thought you you were. Um, so I, I wanted to ask you if you can expand a little bit more on what was that revelation and what did you learn there?
1: Yeah, so that revelation was in third grade in Mrs. Zimmerman's class. Uh, <laughs> so my name is Michelle Zellner. At least that's what I always thought my name was. And in, in the States, at least in our school, in grade school, you were seated in order of your name alphabetically. So I'm always last, right? And she's going down the roll call, and I hear her calling names, and she's not calling mine yet, so I'm not paying attention. And she keeps saying this name over and over, Paula Zellner, Paula Zellner. And I hear Zellner, and I'm like, well, the, well, that's me. And I said, well, my last name is Zellner, but my name is Michelle, and she said, Oh, I don't have a Michelle Zellner, I have a Paula Zellner. And so there's a lot of confusion. And so she you know, she calls some places and I finally get home and tell my parents the story. And my mom said, Oh, yeah, your name actually is Paula. It's Paula Michelle. Uh, that's mm-hmm. your your given name on your birth certificate. And I was like, Well, how come I'm what, eight years old right now? And I've I've never known my real name. Well, because I wasn't supposed to be a girl. I was supposed to be a boy. And my name was going to be Martin George. Uh Well, then out comes a girl. And my mom was a little, uh, you know, at at a loss as to what to name me. So it was Paula Michelle after my father, Paul Michael. But nobody liked the name Paula. So from literally the minute I was born, they called me Michelle. (laughs) And. So that was my very first introduction of oh okay I'm not really who I thought I was, but um, kind of a funny kind of a funny story. So.
0: I I love that story. I think uh, in in my case my first name is Enrique, so I am Enrique Nicolas, uh, but my dad's name is Enrique. So I know that um, how the story for in my case is that was that when I was when I was born, I was supposed to have only one name. I was supposed to just be named Nicolás uh, N- Nicolas Estrella. Um, but when my dad went to uh, the city hall to register my, my birth and then get the birth certificate and all that, uh, his name is Enrique. So him, without telling my mom, he, he just like registered me as Enrique Nicolás Estrella. Uh, and my mom got like, pissed at him because like, oh, this was not the name that we agreed on. And how, why did you put him your name? And I was just like, I am the second child. My, my, my first, uh, my older uh, sibling is, I have a sister and a, a yo- an older sister and a younger sister. So I don't know probably, wh- I don't know why my dad did that. Probably he, he was like feeling super proud of having, of, of having a boy. Uh, so he did that. And since I have a memory, Every time, I, I don't know, I go to, I started primary school, I went to high school, my mom always would tell the teachers, uh, please call him Nicolás, don't call him Enrique, please call him Nicolás, not Enrique. So all my life i also uh, been through like having the teacher sometimes calling me Enrique Estrella and sometimes I'm just like not paying attention because I, I, don't, I don't react to that name a, a lot. So I have, I have that similarity with you there.
1: Yeah. Well, mine, I, when I started filling out college applications is when it really became a problem because you have blocks. This is back in the day when we did pencil and paper applications, you have blocks for a first name and a middle initial. So I was Paula M except that that, that wasn't right. So, um, we went ahead and legally changed it to P. Michelle which makes things a little easier. So now P. Michelle is in the first name block, and there's no middle initial, so it's P. Michelle Zellner. So that's how I solve that issue. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and, but and now I me... know when
1: I get spam mail or a phone call, may I speak with P? Well, I know <laughs> oh, yeah. that they got my name off of some spam mailing list. Oh,
0: that's, that's good. Yeah, those things are, are also a bit confusing for me because I have two names and two last names, right? I have, My complete name is Enrique Nicolás Estrella García. So every time I need to fill out a form here in the U.S., I, I moved to the U.S. three years ago, so every time I need to fill in a form, I'm not sure if my first name counts as Enrique Nicolás or Nicolás is my second name, and if I have two last names, I always fill those forms yeah. differently. So it's, it, it is a bit... I
1: think, I think parents don't realize the troubles they cause us when they do things like <laughs> this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Coming back to the, to, to what we were talking about a a little bit before, um, the name of your company is, uh, Better Beings, right? Yes. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about, um, what is, because I know that like the, the, the inspiration is Better mind, uh, Better Body and Better Beings, right? So I wanted to ask you to to share a little bit more. Um, what are what what is a better mind for you? Like what what is having a better body, and what does it mean for you to be a better being?
1: Such a great question. Um, you know, we obviously are a whole being, and I think very often, at least here in Western society, we separate. Our, our heads, our emotions from our physical beings. And we talk about mental health and we talk about physical health. And yet everything is interconnected. If I am not physically well, that's going to have a big impact on my mental and emotional state. If I am maybe challenging or being challenged mentally or emotionally, that's eventually going to affect me physically. So everything is so connected. And I think You know, what does it mean to be a better being? It really means that if you are in anywhere in your life where you want to be better physically, mentally, or emotionally, and you are ready and willing to do the work that it requires to be better, I think that right there makes you a better being. And how we grow and how we evolve and what we learn and how we challenge ourselves, I mean, all of that is a very unique journey for everybody. So for one person, you know, it might be really working on some aspects of their physical health. For somebody else, it might really be about changing their mindset and their attitude and learning to let go of some things or learning to forgive some things, learning to quiet their very busy mind and wherever anybody is if you know you find some things that either because they're part of your ingrained personality and characteristics or they have become the result of uh, too many consistent choices of course over the course of time that has resulted in maybe you being at less than your level 10 best then we go on that journey and it really is the journey to get towards being the best version of yourself.
0: I love that. I I couldn't agree more with with those statements. I um, I think those resonate a lot a lot with me and I can see how everything's interconnected as you as you said. So I I really love the the name of the company and I really love the the mission and what you what you stand for. Um, thank you which brings me to to my next question so i know that sometimes people say things like um oh, i'm just not an athletic person I'm just like uh, i was like being athletic is was not uh, it's not in my dna or or my my family has never been like that so um and they think they can't uh, they just can't go for a run or, or they can't just like exercise uh, at all. Or, or sometimes I've, I've heard a lot of like kind of like limiting beliefs, but, um, saying things like, Oh, I just like these, these eating habits are too, are too ingrained in, in me. Like uh, it's, it's too, it's impossible for me to, to change those things. um, what do you say whenever, if you, if you have a customer or, or you have a client um, that is experiencing this type of, of thoughts, what have you seen that, that can help somebody to break those, those things? Because I, I know that sometimes they are very, very ingrained, right? And it's like being the story that they have been told maybe from their parents. They have been telling the, them that since they were kids or that's the story that they have been telling themselves their whole lives. So it can be very hard to change. Um, Where can somebody start to change those things or how can somebody start to change those things?
1: Well, it definitely all starts with your internal dialogue and the story you tell yourself. So if you tell yourself, I can't change this, you're right. (laughs) And you you might as well just stop right there. So it really does require first changing the narrative and choosing that you're going to do the hard work. And the reality is change is hard and yet people say well i can't because and usually the correct phrasing is i can it's just really hard or i'm not ready or willing to because so i think taking ownership of our choices and yes our history is our history and the story that we've been told or that we've told ourselves okay but every individual has the choice you can change your story if you want to you just have to decide that you want to. And then we have to educate ourselves and set ourselves up for success to make sure that we're putting a real plan and a real strategy in place to be able to make that change happen. And I think maybe the biggest piece of the puzzle and probably the most challenging is to get out of all or nothing mindset. Because you know, we we I think we we've gotten into this place in society where we expect this amazing outcome with little to no effort, and it should happen tomorrow. And I did you know, these couple things and nothing changed, so why bother? Or, well, I did it all really good for a while, and then I just can't keep doing it, so then I do nothing. And those are usually the reasons that people don't actually see the change happen, because they haven't found the right system or strategy to make this a true new habit so that they do it long enough so that they see the results in the long run. And I think part of it is just because we're very impatient. We don't necessarily want to do the hard work and change is hard. And so one of my mottos is it's hard now or harder later. We get to pick. And I, I mean, I've been on my own journey. That's, that's, that's what I teach about and how I've, you know, gotten through my hard choices and my hard times. And a lot of it really does Really, come down to making the choice and choosing to learn, to grow, to forgive, to accept, and to just do the best you can with what you've got.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, so, whenever, whenever somebody is starting on this journey, right? Um, you you talked about these all or all or nothing kind of mindset that can be one of the biggest challenges for for people to, to actually go through the, the changes. Because like, I know that, uh, I know that this was the case for me. A, l- a lot of times you already know what you, what you have to do. Like you already know that you have to exercise. You already know that you have to go out for a run or th- you already know that you have to walk 10,000 steps or that you have to be active 30 minutes per day. Um, and a lot of times you start with these very good intentions, right? Uh, and we don't always follow through with those right intentions. So, what have you seen that are other uh, big challenges that people find in this stage? Like, why do you think a lot of times we we can't uh, keep the commitment that that we did to ourselves? You mentioned these all or nothing. Um, mindset but what what are other things that can be uh, harmful at this at this stage
1: i think for a lot of people we set ourselves up for for failure for not following through because we set unrealistic expectations Uh, i'm going to take maybe you for example nico you know you were a top level athlete and you probably trained and exercised a certain way And maybe at some point in the future in your life, uh, you're not going to have the time or the energy to train that way. And so you think, well, what's the point? This is the way I'm supposed to work out. And if I can't do it like this, well, then what's the point of doing anything? And I've actually worked with a number of ex-athletes who have that mental block because they are used to a workout looking like this. But their life is very different now from what it looked like when they were an athlete. Maybe now they work a full-time job. They're married with, uh, with kids. They're juggling career and family. So why would you or should you be able to do what you did before when the life you're living looks nothing like it did before? And so I think we always have to kind of uh, evaluate, where am I currently? What is my current reality? Not what I used to do, what I want to do, what I wish I could do, what somebody told me I should do. Well, I don't have time to do 30 minutes five times a week. Okay, well, do you have time for five minutes a day? And of of course, everybody does. But someone's thinking, well, what's the point of five minutes? Well, what's the point of zero minutes? How far is that going to get you? So I think part of it is really buying in that it's the cumulative effect of all the things that we do day after day after day after day on a consistent basis that's really going to impact the outcome. And we so often are so fixated on the particular outcome that we're looking for. And if we can't achieve it, well, then why bother? And yet, Maybe getting closer to the outcome rather than farther away from it is considered success, so I think how we define success and all of that plays a role in this
0: wow i i I, I feel I'm being coached right now <laughs> I love that that advice because it 's totally true and, and I know that you know what has happened to me a lot of times let's say uh, i I want to start to run I, I start to get get back to I get back to shape and I, and I start to run. Because of this mindset that I had as a, as a professional athlete, sometimes I feel I need to have a super big goal. So it's like, for me, a lot of times have been like, okay, I'm going to start running, but I want to, I need to sign up for a marathon. So I'm going to start training for a marathon. And I do that because kind of like the shiny object or like, that feeling that I need to have for uh, being like training for something, as you said, of, of like, I'm not just doing it for the exercise. I need to have like that big goal. But then I set up the training for a marathon. It's super hard to train for a marathon, right? And you you need a lot of time. And of course now my life is super different. I am a, an entrepreneur and some days are like super, super busy. So I don't have the time to put in doing the weekend to run uh, 15 miles on a Saturday when I am just like destroyed from the weekend I just need to sleep and rest uh, so a lot of times I just start and I, I ha- I've i had this feeling a lot of times where like okay if I can't train for the marathon then uh, what's the point I'm going out for a run and then I stop running and then I stop exercising so it's it's super super true
1: I know. It's almost like I've done this before. (laughs) You are not alone. And it's not even just ex-athletes. We can put this in so much, so many different contexts. Um, You know, I, I work people who say, Oh, you know, I used to play hockey and then my knees were bad, so I can't do anything. I was like, really? Because there's a whole bunch of things you can do that really don't affect like your knees in the way that hockey did. So we get very myopic and, and very, um, we, we have a very specific identity to who or what we were. And if we can't be that, then we can't be anything. Well, sometimes we just have to redefine where are we currently. And I always encourage people to think about, you know, where are you now and what what can you do? I think we very often focus on what we can't do instead of focusing on what we can do. And when you buy in and you understand how your specific human, not your unique named individual self, but the human that you're in charge of, I mean, I I don't care if you're an athlete, you're still a human. So you need to move your body. Yeah, I mean, and you don't have to be some super duper competitive athlete or person or do marathons or triathlons, you just have to move your body in a lot of different ways. So whether you're athletic or not really has nothing to do with anything, because you're a human. So humans are supposed to move and you know, use their muscles and maybe sometimes elevate that heart rate, maybe work on some balance and core and flexibility. I mean, back in the day, that's just what we did because it was naturally built into our existence. Well, of course, modern society, we have taken away all the need to do those things. And that has led to the decline of our physical, mental, and emotional health, which is why now we have to be very intentional about how we're spending our time, our energy, our money, uh, because all of those things are going to eventually impact how we are physically, mentally, and emotionally.
0: Yeah, totally. Totally. Hey, just a quick pause for a message from Waku, and we will be right back to the interview. We are very excited to let everyone know we've just launched Waku's crowdfunding equity campaign through Republic, a platform that allows anyone to invest in private startups like Waku. WAKU is now part of a very exclusive group of highly better startups from Republic, and now you can become an investor of WAKU starting with investments as small as $100. If you'd like to learn more about why to invest in WAKU and why this is such a great investment opportunity, you can go to republic.co forward slash WAKU, that's r-e-p-u-b-l-i-c dot c-o forward slash w-a-k-u. We will be thrilled to have you join us in our journey to bring to the world the most refreshing herbal tea with gut health benefits and help to create impact in the livelihoods of hundreds of Ecuadorian farmers. Let's get back to the show. And um, in in your case, in your story, um, what have been some of the most challenging periods for you um, if if you would like to share that with the with the audience, maybe somebody is struggling with something similar that you did in the past, uh, and your story can be helpful for them. That's um, any specific story comes to your mind?
1: You know that's always a really hard question for me to answer because I haven't. I mean, I'm incredibly blessed and fortunate, and so far I haven't been through anything that I would say is incredibly difficult. Now in the moments, they were very difficult, but they're not super unique. They're things that almost everybody at some point is going to go through or some version of it. So, you know, I think about like when I was in grade school and high school, and I was kind of under the spell of this particular girl. And I thought she was my best friend and I was her best friend. And I felt super special only to find out that she was just a giant manipulator. And she isolated me from all the rest of our friends at and had me thinking that they all didn't like me. And once I discovered all of this that had gone on for years, it was like shocking. And it was a little shocking that I actually didn't even know this was happening. So it really forced me to take a good look at myself and why did I even get under the spell in the first place? Um, Maybe my first really big one that I would, I would consider would be, uh, after I quit gymnastics, I, you know, decided to go on a, uh, I'll call it a middle finger to the world tour and just eat whatever I wanted because I finally could. And that led to maybe gaining roughly 50 pounds in a little over a year. And while it was super fun getting there, it was not fun being there. And, uh, you know, uh, then I had to figure myself out. And I knew that if I didn't make some serious changes and really get to the root of some of my challenges and my particular issues of why I am doing what I'm doing, that my future self was not going to be in a very good place. So working through a lot of that, you know, body image and shame and judgment and all the nonsense that goes on with that, and then maybe from a relationship standpoint, when I was 24, thinking I'm going to marry the man of my dreams, only to get a phone call from a girl telling me that she and his child would be turning one next month, and she just thought I should know that before I married him. Yeah, I'd say that was kind of challenging at that time. Oh, um, well,
0: that, yeah, that sounds that sounds yeah. uh, challenging <laughs> for sure. And, and in in this period when when you uh, when you said you were gaining some weight and, and then the, whenever you were in this, in this process, um, how, how did you manage to uh, kind of like, don't let that mindset of like uh, that mindset of like just shaming or just like making you feel bad. Uh, how, how are you able to manage that, that period of your life and how were you able to just like, uh, Go back to to being a, a bit more healthier and, and and go back to to the wellness to the wellness route. Well,
1: I'll tell you, it didn't happen overnight. Um, it was a very long process. I, I I definitely developed a very unhealthy relationship with food probably because of gymnastics. I mean, I love gymnastics for lots of reasons, but that—that that is something that came out of it. I don't blame anybody. You know, it's just the way I internalize things. And food was kind of my go-to to be a rebel and to finally be free and do whatever I wanted. And um, and yet, even while I was, you know, enjoying all these things, I really wasn't because I it, it didn't feel good in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So just navigating through all of that, I think um, – at the time i mean i did have guilt and shame and judgment how could i not because i didn't look the way i wanted to look i didn't look like i even really looked and and yet i i mean it was really a foreign from this little gymnast to this very unrecognizable person and i had to unpack why i'm doing that right and so it did require me to get a little bit vulnerable and figure out my stuff and let go of beating myself up about making those choices. So letting go of, okay, yeah, you're here now. So let's not beat yourself up for getting here. Let's figure out how we're going to move forward. And a lot of it required me to re-educate myself or even just educate myself in the first place about nutrition because this is back when we were taught that fat is the devil. So if you eat fat, you'll get fat, you'll have a heart attack, and then you'll die. Well, by this point, I was already fat. me, And so I didn't want to get fatter. So of course, now I go fat free everything because this is what we're told to do and it's not working. So then clearly it's because I'm a failure and I'm not doing things right and I'm not trying hard enough. So that cycle of beating yourself up and then what do you do when you're feeling bad? You go comfort yourself with more food because that's what you do. So I took it upon myself to really understand how do you fuel your body properly? And that was a big piece of the puzzle. So I think for anybody who is struggling with nutrition or weight loss, even I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, we have been taught a hot bunch of nonsense We really have. We're taught that eating less is the way you do it, that exercising more is the way you do it, that going low fat is the way you do it, that cutting out entire food groups is the way you do it, that going on a magic diet is the way you do it. None of that is the way you do it. So I I think for me, a big shift in mindset and uh, really not worrying about the weight loss, but rather focusing on the things to give the human that I'm in charge of what it needs in order to heal and what it needs in order to thrive. And it's very, very basic, right? It's real food in lots of different varieties, the appropriate amounts for your needs and your goals. It's consistent movement, lots of different types. It's stress management. It's having high quality interactions with other people. And it's giving yourself grace when maybe you make a choice that you didn't plan on making, not letting yourself get wrapped up into that cycle of self-sabotage, but rather learning, okay, I was going to make this choice. That was my intention. Why didn't I follow through? Well, probably because I had an obstacle that showed up that I wasn't prepared for or You know, I just in the moment, I just made that other choice. And I want to kind of, you know, figure out why so that I don't continue to do that. So it's a lot of self-discovery. There is no magic in a meal plan or in an exercise routine. The magic is in your own soul and it's in your own mind. And you have to figure out what the secret to unlock all of that is. And for everybody, it is just a little bit different.
0: Yeah, totally agree. It's... uh, uh... I love what you just said, and, and I know that uh, you mentioned right now um, uh, fat during the during the diet. And I know that you early in this year you released a handbook that's called the the PFF is your BFF. That's a, a handbook of a, it's a simple guide for for the busy body. Um, and I, I wanted to ask you if you can extend a little bit more on, on what is PFF for the people that haven't haven't heard about this before, um, and, and what what was the inspiration for start for creating that that book that that handbook.
1: Yes, thank you. So PFF is your BFF, protein, fat, fiber is your best friend forever. I'm telling you, this is life changing, truly. So. Protein, fat, and fiber all take a long time for the body to break down, so it will provide a nice, slow, steady source of fuel, keeping our blood sugar steady, which is the key to your health and happiness, and it's the key to the health and happiness of people around you because the alternative is spiking and crashing blood sugar, and if we're in a cycle of spiking and crashing blood sugar we're going to be irritated. We're going to be hangry. We're not going to be energized. We're going to have a a plummet of metabolism. We're eventually going to go reach for sugar because when your blood sugar crashes, that's what, that's what you do. And so keeping blood sugar steady truly is, it it is life-changing. And when you combine protein, fat, and fiber, and of course you get fiber from carbohydrates. I know right now, a lot of people think carbohydrates are the devil. They're not. We need them. We just don't need to eat as many as we probably do eat. So finding that appropriate balance of that uh, nutrition is going to be, you know, a a piece of the detail that everybody's got to figure out. But PFF is so simple so that when you learn what foods give me protein, what foods give me fat, what foods give me fiber... All you have to do is make your PFF combos. I know a lot of people think that eating healthy is so complicated and I don't have time for it. And it's got to be this big elaborate production of this amazing meal. And it can be if you want it to be, but it doesn't have to be. It can be very, very simple. So when you nourish your body properly, consistently throughout the day, so you keep your blood sugar steady. You avoid the spike and crash, which makes it a lot easier to address some of the emotional desires for the foods that we might otherwise want to eat. So a lot of people tell me, oh I'm, I'm really trying to not eat sweets and this was my own journey so when I you know was gonna go down and be really healthy, I would eat fat-free yogurt, a plain bagel and a banana. That's all fat free this good job Michelle woohoo. Right? Except it's sugar, sugar, and more sugar. Tiny bit of protein in the yogurt, but barely any because back in the day it wasn't Greek yogurt, it was Danin light, strawberry. <laughs> it's all sugar. So I literally flooded my body with sugar, which meant it crashed, and no matter how much willpower I was going to have to be good and not eat cookies, I was eating cookies. And then, of course, I felt bad, like, oh, my gosh, you're such a loser. You can't even not eat cookies. What's wrong with you? So then I would just go eat more cookies because that's what you do when you're feeling bad. Well, from a physiological standpoint, I had set myself up for needing sugar because when your blood sugar crashes, your brain wants sugar. That's it. You don't even have the capacity to make a good choice. So... When you realize that protein, fat, and fiber, keeping blood sugar steady, it is a game changer. It makes those other choices a lot easier to address. It doesn't mean I don't still like sugar. I do. I really enjoy it. But there's not this, oh my God, I have to have it. I'm going to rip someone's head off if I don't have it kind of feeling. And I know a lot of people can relate to that feeling. So that is a big piece of the puzzle. And then of course, I still have to address you know, the emotional desires, the foods that we eat that connect us to culture or help us celebrate, or just simply because we love them, recognizing that I can eat those, but probably not that often, or I'm not going to have outcomes that I like. So I made the PFF handbook honestly, it was kind of a um, it was kind of a, a a segue from the major book I wrote, The you Revolution The Journey of a Better Being." All of these things came from the uh, live class that I would teach for Denver Public School employees. And part of their homework would always be to come up with your PFF combos and share them with the class. I don't believe in doing meal plans. And I can't tell you how many people have said, Michelle, just give me a meal plan. Nope, not going to do it. Because I can tell you what to eat. But if you don't like the food, you're not going to make the food. You're not somewhere where you have access to that food then that meal plan is completely useless. I want to teach you nutrition so you can go anywhere and make a healthy choice if you want to. So the class would always have to make their PFF combos and they would be like, can't you just give these to us? I'm like, They're all teachers. Do you just give your students the answers? No, you make them learn. That's what I'm doing. I'm making you learn. But finally, so much pressure, I thought, okay, you know, it kind of, and somebody said, well, it's really unfair that you only share this with us. The rest of the world should know about PFF. Okay, fine. So that is why I wrote the PFF handbook to really show people that it doesn't have to be complicated. It really doesn't. You can fuel your busy body very easily. If you want to, you just have to learn a little bit and and put a little bit of effort into it, but honestly, not that much.
0: Yeah, and to put like a, a, an example and to paint the picture a little bit, um, how would in the example that you that you gave that you ate banana and the and the sugar yogurt and peanut butter? do you say? Um,
1: uh, no, a plain bagel.
0: Plain bagel. So uh, with uh, protein, fat, and fiber. Uh, uh, guide how would you change that meal for making it pff
1: yeah so now because we have things like greek yogurt i would make sure it's greek yogurt because there's a significant amount of protein depending on the brand and all of that you still have to read labels but i would get plain greek yogurt i would add my own berries to it and maybe i would add some nuts maybe i'd even put a scoop of my chocolate protein powder in it because that's super delicious so now i have chocolatey Greek yogurt with some blueberries and a handful of walnuts. And it's delicious. Maybe um, if I still need more nutrition, I'll have a piece of whole grain toast with some avocado on it or some nut butter on it. It just depends on how much you need to fuel yourself at that moment. But that's, that's the beauty of it is when you start to understand what foods give you, what nutrients, it's very easy. You just have to ask yourself, where's my protein? Where's my fat? Where's my fiber?
0: I was about to say that sounds super easy and sounds delicious as well.
1: It is. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's I that's the other myth
1: food. that eating healthy doesn't taste good. Yeah, not true.
0: That's that's yeah. I I agree. Uh, I I really like this approach uh, of uh, PFF. Uh, it it makes a lot of sense and it. Uh, Sounds like an, uh, an easy thing to do. If people want to uh, check this out, I know that's on Ama- available on Amazon, right?
1: Yes, both of the books are available on Amazon, so easy to get them.
0: To close, to, to be closing the, the conversation, to start to close the conversation, uh, I wanted to ask, uh, what would be some recommendations that you can give people uh, that is starting to try to implement better habits and, and to really stick with them. I know we, we spoke already about two things. The One thing is uh, not being like overly ambitious and just like being more realistic to, to, to your reality and, and to your daily, daily routines. Um, what, what can be some other recommendations that you can be, give people uh, to, to be able to start and, and, for for them to maximize the chances of sticking with that uh, new plan or sticking with those new, better habits?
1: Such a great question to wrap up on because this is really the starting point, honestly. I, I really am passionate about people creating their vision. So you have to be able to visualize what you want your life to be, whether you want it to be this way in six months, in a year, in five years. If you can't visualize what you want, it's gonna be really difficult to get there. I'm a big fan of the vision board. I have a virtual vision boarding party every January. So, looking forward to this one coming up in uh, 2022. And, you know, it's just that visual representation of what you want to achieve, maybe some reminders of what your intentions are. That's kind of how I look at a vision board. A vision board for me is how I intend to spend my time, money, and energy. I mean, it's al- it always comes down to choices. So what are the things that I need to do in order to get the outcome that I'm looking for, create that vision, and then determine how close or how far away am I from what I want and what do I need to do to start getting there? And then you have to put a plan in place. You can't just say, I'm going to try to eat better. That is a statement It doesn't really mean anything other than that. You actually have to do something. So then we have to drill down into the details of number one, what does eat better even mean for you? And what are some things that we need to put in place to make that happen? And I think another really big piece of this puzzle for everybody is to figure out your why. Now, that's like, what's your why? That's a big buzz phrase. It has been for a while, but it truly is. It's going to be the driving factor because it's going to be the conversation you have that's either going to steer you into a choice to help you get closer to the goal or steer you away from a choice that is getting you farther away from your goal. Because everything we do is getting us in one direction or the other. And keeping in mind that it's the cumulative effect of the choices that is going to impact the outcome the most. So when you can drill into your why, your personally meaningful reason for why you are going to make hard choices, that's going to be the internal conversation. So that in the moment when you're feeling like you're going to make a different choice, you're going to take a pause and you're going to remember your why. And then you're going to proceed to make your choice intentionally. And if it is a choice that is getting you farther away from your goal, at least you're making it intentionally and you should own it. You, hopefully it's worth it. Otherwise, why are you doing it? Uh, but also recognize that you can't do that over and over and still get to the goal that you want. So I think establishing your vision, getting very clear about your specifics, your why, and then setting your plan in place. Embrace the journey. It's a process. So you got to embrace the process. Don't worry about the outcome, but focus on the actions that are going to help you get to that outcome instead.
0: I love it. Such actionable recommendations, Michelle. Thank you so much. Um, If people want to learn more about you and your programs, what's the best way to reach out to you or where are the best places to find more about you?
1: My website is your one-stop shop, betterbeings.net. It has the click links to all the social media, which I am not very active on, <laughs> but you can still follow me there. And uh, and it has click links to all my other things as well. So betterbeings.net is the place to go.
0: Sounds good. Thank you so much, Michelle. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you here. I learned a lot and I'm sure that uh, people that's listening got away with a lot of actionable things and actionable steps that you can start taking to start becoming a better being.
1: Well, thank you, Nico. I appreciate the opportunity to share my message with your listeners.
0: Talk to you soon, Michelle. Bye. Thank you. Hello, everyone. This is Nico again. And just a few more things before you take off. If you'd like to be part of the Waku tribe to be the first one to know about the launch of exclusive flavors, special promotions, and content about health and wellness, just go to livewaku.com. That's L-I-V-E-W-A-K-U.com. And sign up for our email list. And if you sign up, I hope you enjoy being part of our community.